We're going to get into the sermon. We're starting a new series for the month of August. It is called Fear Not, and Pastor Cameron is coming to kick it off for us. Would you give him a warm welcome? Thank you. All right. Good morning. God bless. Um, Some of you may be surprised to know this, but for most of my life, I was actually terrified of heights and of flying. I first realized it was actually, um, I took my family to another city and there was a massive shopping mall, biggest mall I'd ever been in. And we were having, our kids were little. And so we did the food court thing. And the only table that was open was a table right next to the edge of the, it was on the second story uh, of a two-story mall. And so I was sitting right next to, you know, a drop of probably 30, 20 feet, maybe 25 feet down to the bottom floor. <laughs> and I was shocked because I became uh, lightheaded. And what do they call that when your head is spinning? Vertigo. And I, yeah, I was dizzy and experiencing vertigo. And I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, I was really terrified of uh, 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 heights and and then flying. Um, the whole experience of of flying is actually not pleasant from booking the flight, picking out the ticket, spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And then, you know, you got to get to the airport or else if you're not there, you just lose it. Like there's no, you know, sorry, I didn't make it. You lose if you're not there on time. And so you're stressed about that. You're stressed about the suitcase can't be too heavy. And, and then you check in and then you go through the thing called security. How many love that? It's one of the most dehumanizing experiences. They poke and prod you. They dig through your stuff. Um, uh, You know, I've been patted down. I think it's because they think I'm cute Uh, (laughs) many times. It's just not fun. And then you rush to the gate, and uh, um, often you get there just in time, or you get there and you find out, oh, you got two more hours to wait. And then you sit there, and finally you're crammed into a tin can, with uh, hundreds of strangers strapped into a seat that you can't get out of, and you're flying at 30,000, 40,000 uh, uh, feet at uh, five to 700 miles an hour. And you know what? <clears throat> when you're on an airplane, you are totally out of control. And that used to terrify me. And the what I was, I, I didn't, it took me a while to realize I was just scared because, you know, a guy doesn't like to admit that. But I would have a debilitating headache whenever I fly for the rest of that day. And sometime the next day, I would just have, uh, it wasn't really technically migraine, but it was debilitating. I would have terrible, terrible headaches. Um, God dealt with me on some issues, and it took years. It's not like, oh, I realized it and everything. It actually took years of God dealing with stuff in my heart um, and healing me up and getting me to the place where I, I trusted him more and, and heart issues. And eventually, I got less and less afraid of heights and, and less and less afraid of airplanes. And, and, and for the last 15, 18 years, uh, when I go on a flight, I experience all the same things. But when I sit down in that airport, airplane seat, I am actually completely relaxed. And you want to know why? It's because I am completely out of control. The very thing that used to terrify me, being completely out of control, now actually comforts me. Because you know what? If something happens, it's not my fault. 
No one's going to run up to me and have me ask me a question. The pilot's not going to come back and say, Cameron, the Wi-Fi's not working. <laughs> you know, there's an upset customer in the back seat. I just sit down and I can just relax because I trust fully in God is my keeper. And whatever happens on that flight, I'm good with it. And so um, uh, the thing that used to cause me to fear, actually, once I dealt with the fear inside of me, actually gives me peace. Um, I, I remember uh, uh, very, very vividly just a few years ago, <clears throat> this is now I'm totally comfortable in flying. Nothing really uh, shakes me. I mean, the airplane can shake, but I'm not too worried about it. <clears throat> and um, I got on a plane, and a young man sat down next to me. And I kind of noticed him because he, as soon as he sat down, he buckled in. I mean, before we even started to move, his, uh, he, he, was, he was sitting down, in his, <clears throat> and he just went, just like that. And the whole flight, he was just like that. I was like, wow, oh, what's wrong with that guy? Is he sick? Is he going to throw up? You know, <laughs> we take off and, and we're mid-flight. And I'm like, geez, he's still like that. He hasn't, he hasn't you know, he's, he's over there trembling. And I'm like, I think he's mumbling. So I'm listening and I figure out he's praying in tongues. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this guy's praying in tongues. Because he was terrified the whole time. He was sweating. He was, his hands were clenched so tight. Praying in tongues the whole time. And I wanted to do something for him, but, I, you know, if I called attention to it, I'd probably just embarrass him or make it worse. Or if I, if I patted him on the back, I'd probably tear him all over the place. So I, was, I just prayed for him. And, and I just want to say that what he was experiencing, you know, he was afraid. And so he was doing something that he thought was right. And it was. I mean, I'm glad he sought God and was praying and, and getting filled with the Holy Spirit in that flight. But you know what? He needed to just relax because the Holy Spirit was there. Uh, and right now I'm seeing around the world, both in this church and friends and, and all over the world, Christians kind of reacting out of fear in the same way that young man was. They're just clenching down and they're just they're doing spiritual things, but it's all motivated out of a fear and not out of a trust. And so we've, we're doing this series on fear not so that we can actually speak directly into the issues of this day. And there's a lot of stuff, you know, airplanes that are kind of scary. If something happens at 40,000 feet, it could be deadly. Uh, uh, but how do we respond to it? There's a lot happening in our world. There's the pandemic. There's the real health issues, and then the, all of the unknowns, the political upheaval, and, and all that that uh, in, involves, and, and, and the divisiveness in our culture. I understand all of that. But as Christians, we need to not be afraid. And, and today's message is about fear not, God is present. He's with us. And that's why we should not be afraid. And we're going to read the, uh, Psalm 46, verse 1 through 11 real quickly. Um, this is all about God being present in the midst of troubles. Um, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Okay, these are pretty grandiose events, right? 
Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. So there's a contrast between the the turbulence and the upheaval of the world and, and the city of God and the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, and we're experiencing that in our day, uh, raging in the nations and political upheaval. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold, look at this, he's saying. The psalmist is crying out. Behold the works of the Lord who made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. And that's the famous line that most Christians have heard. Be still and know that I am God. But most Christians don't realize the context is upheaval and earthquakes and mountains being shaken and nations raging. And in the midst of that, the word of the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Emmanuel, God with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, our place of safety. Well, Psalm 46 begins with God being very, he's a very present help in times of trouble and ends all the way through it. It reminds us he's with us, he's with us, he's with us, and it ends with the Lord of hosts is with us. And God's presence means that we need not fear, right? Because whatever is going on, whatever circumstances you're facing, He's right there with you. And because of that, we don't yield to fear. Uh, God is present in the midst of natural disasters like this plague or um, our friends in in northern Mexico, Reynosa. I don't know if you saw some of the things I've shared on Facebook. The worst flooding that they've ever known. Um, Josh Muse and his team, they have a three-story building and the first story is flooded but they're going and they got a boat and they're going house to house rescuing people and delivering food and and so floods earthquakes whatever the case may be wars god's right there in the midst of it uh uh, national upheavals political upheavals uh all of that social upheavals in our day we're seeing riots we're seeing people camping out in downtowns of our cities trying to take over i mean sometimes it's just ridiculous What's happening? I don't know. We could talk about it. But what I do know is God is with us. And we can have peace because of that. We need not fear, not because those aren't real problems, but because our God is greater. And he's going to work all things together for good. And the voice of the Lord that created this universe that has the power to destroy the universe, as it declares in, in, uh, in uh, that psalm. He's saying to us with that same voice, it said, uh, let there be light. He's saying, be still 
and know that I am God. And, and those words have creative power. It's not just an idea to think about. Receive it as the word of the Lord for you. Be still and let that his word create the stillness in you. That's the intent. Well, that's a grandiose psalm written uh, thousands of years ago by the psalmist. <clears throat> Let's look at a different story that's a little more down to earth, and it involves Jesus and his disciples. We find it in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, as evening came, <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus, they all hopped in the boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Where was Jesus? He was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. You know what? When I get on airplanes now, I pray for turbulence. I'm not kidding. I actually, if you're on a flight with me, I'm the guy saying, God, because every time, especially if it's good, like you can really feel it turbulence, it rocks me to sleep. So only way I can get to sleep on a plane is if there's turbulence. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I think Jesus, like, he's like, oh, this is great. He's out. <clears throat> Disciples woke him up shouting. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. All right, so Psalm 46 talks about in grandiose uh, scale and terms, but this story is applied on a, on the, uh, in a, more, in a way that we can understand it more. They were out in a, in a lake with a storm, and they were fearing for their lives. Jesus and the disciples were experiencing the same events, but their responses were polar opposites. And guess what? Right now in this world, everyone's experiencing the same thing. Every government in the worldwide is trying to figure out what to do. You know, churches, our friends, my friends uh, in England, our sister churches and Harvest Alliance Network in England, they're still only live streaming. They're not even live streaming. They're doing church by Zoom, all right? Well, because they are not able to meet at all. Thank God we have the freedoms we do. And many of us are joining with live stream, and we appreciate that, and we love that. And I look forward to when we can all gather back together. Um, but in this day, we're all going through this together, saints. But people are reacting differently. <clears throat> and, and we'll get to why they're reacting differently in a minute. Jesus was sound and asleep. He was at rest. <clears throat> the disciples were afraid. They thought they were about to die. They were afraid of dying. Think about this. They were shouting at Jesus. I'm like, I can't wait to get to heaven and, and go up to these guys and goes, guys, really? You were shouting at Jesus? What did that look like? Jesus! Don't you care? You know? And they're going to go, oh, yeah, we really blew it there. <laughs> Why? Because their emotions overcame them. 
And they made accusation. This is a big thing I want us to see here. There was accusation. They judged Jesus' intent. And saints, that's always wrong. When you judge another person's intent, you can question their intent. But when you judge them and say, they don't, you don't care, Jesus cared. <clears throat> and those are the reactions of people, uh, the disciples, because they were overcome with fear. The storm created fear, which revealed what was in their hearts. They felt powerless. Oh, how many feel powerless in this pandemic? All right. Both, like, is it real? Is it not real? Can I believe the media? Can I don't believe? Oh, the government is a mask. It changed. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and I have friends that have lost family members uh, due to the, the, the virus. And uh, my wife's a nurse and has treated patients with it. And, and it's sometimes very, very serious. And, and there's just a powerlessness. What do we do? Um, they were afraid of dying. Uh, they doubted Jesus cared for them. And they lacked faith. They didn't know who was in the boat. And God uses what's happening outside of us. This is the big idea, you guys. God uses what's happening outside of us to reveal what's happening inside of us. And you know why? Because what's inside is what's really important. And, 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 and often, you know, if life is comfortable, and us in America, North America especially, we got, we got it easy. We got it really easy. Easier than anybody ever, has ever lived. And so God has to allow turbulence and tribulation and storms to come into our lives because he loves us too much to leave us the way we are with these unresolved issues in our hearts. I never would have overcome my fear of heights if I hadn't had to push through those experiences. And God cares for us and he wants to free us. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Out of it flows the issues of life. Every aspect of your life, it, it, your responses are controlled by your heart condition. And the disciples' heart condition was that they were powerless, they were uh, afraid, uh, they, uh, they, were, they doubted Jesus, and they, didn't, they made accusations. And we can't respond to the storms in our lives if we have storms in our heart. We can't respond to the storms in our lives if we don't have the peace of God ruling in our hearts. Uh, and the disciples' fear, this is what I really love, how when Jesus stood up and said, be still, and everything uh, uh, calmed, it says that they were terrified. So their fear of the storm was actually replaced by a, it's a much stronger word in the Greek, that they were terrified. Think about this. Jesus just spoke, and the storms calmed. And I want you to know something. A technique of uh, 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 Jewish rabbis would be to say the first few words of a verse, and because Jews were all uh, uh, instructed, especially Jewish males, uh, memorized the Torah, the first five books of the, of the Bible, 
and most of the other scripture they heard, they knew the rest of the verse. And so when he used the words, be still, you know what came to their minds? I am God. And that was actually a technique. It's a way to reinforce the point. And so when Jesus said, be still, they actually saw the effect of that word and that the, the storm calmed, the seas calmed, and they thought, who is this guy? Well, the implication was he is God. And of course, that's the message of the New Testament, that Jesus is more powerful than the storms. Listen, I want to ask you, whatever storm you're going through, is Jesus more powerful than that? Jesus didn't change from when he was sleeping to when he stood up and said it. What changed was the disciples saw who was in the boat with them. And we need to see who's in the boat with us in whatever circumstance that we're facing, whether it be an emotional storm, a physical storm, a spiritual storm, an economic storm. Jesus is in the boat, and he's bigger, and he's more powerful. And we need to hear those words, be still and know that I am God. Real quick here, what about those other boats? Remember in the story, it said they got in a boat and they took off and some other boats followed them? Now the scripture doesn't mention the other boats, so you can't build a big doctrine on this. You've got to be careful when people build a doctrine on what the scripture doesn't say. <laughs> but it does mention these other boats, and we can't just throw that away. <clears throat> so the idea, actually Pastor Mark and I were talking about this on uh, uh, yesterday afternoon, like, what about those other boats? What did they experience? Do you think they experienced the same storm? Yeah, they were out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden a storm came up. Do you think they were afraid? Absolutely. They were being tossed to and fro. You know, it's dark. Uh, it's, it, the Sea of Galilee, I've seen it. It's, a, it's huge. It's not as big as Lake Michigan, but it's, it's a big lake surrounded by mountains, and because of the geography, that's why the storms can cause such powerful uh, waves and, and disruption because of the mountains and the winds. And it's pitch black and everything is, uh, they're afraid for their lives. But, but then what, did they, what happens in those other boats? What happened? The storm was calm for them too. But they didn't see Jesus, did they? You're in the middle of a boat, you can't see what happens in another boat half a mile away. All of a sudden, the storm called. You know what? I bet every one of those people in the boat was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, the stars came out. Man, that was the strangest thing ever. So listen, when Jesus is in your boat and you see him for who he is and he calms the storm, it influences, it affects those in, around you in, the, in your community. All right? That's, that's powerful. And that's what the church is supposed to be. And then Jesus commissioned those people that were on the boat to communicate the message that he is God, the Son who came to bring calmness and peace. Uh, to, that he commissioned them to tell the rest of the world he's the one that comes to calm the storm. And we're commissioned not only to experience God's peace for our benefit, but to experience God's peace and to communicate to others, Jesus can calm your storm just like he calmed mine and give definition to what's really happening.
that Jesus is our peace. 2 Timothy uh, 1.7 tells us, uh, as Paul's explaining this principle to the church and to Timothy, says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The spirit of fear, and I, I truly believe this, that there is a spirit of fear. There's a number of spirits. Um, uh, some people understand spirits as just being like uh, influences or forces. I actually believe that there are demonic entities that are, are actually people, or not people, uh, persons, uh, beings, <clears throat> supernatural beings like angels, but fallen angels. It doesn't matter. The same idea, whether it be a, just an influence or an actual uh, demonic uh, spirit that's doing it, um, is, it's being poured out on the earth. And we see it in the reactions of people all over uh, the world reacting in fear. That's from the enemy, that, and it's from the flesh, okay? So it can be demonic or it can be just natural. People are overcome by anxiety and, 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 and the feelings of powerlessness. The enemy always comes in and takes advantage and uses those things to break down our faith, break down our confidence. And whether it's a fear of the virus actually getting sick or other people getting sick and not knowing, or the fear of media, and, and this is funny, I think that the fear, I think the people that are afraid of media are more afraid than the people that are afraid of the virus. And I just, frankly, I'm like, God is sovereign over the media. God is sovereign over government. Whoever gets elected will not, will not take Jesus off the throne. Yes, it will have consequences, but guess what? We always have consequences. And you know what? Jesus is king, and he's the one I submit to you. Fear of lack of control, fear of fill in the blank, fear of losing your job, fear of economic disaster. Who knows? God knows. And so we don't need to give in to fear. And this verse tells us there's three characteristics that um, uh, uh, define what it means to be influenced by the Holy Spirit and not uh, another spirit. And the first one is, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. So rather than feeling powerless, like the disciples on the boat, or when I was afraid and powerless on the airplane, <clears throat> we realize that we're empowered by God. Now when I sit down in that airplane, I realize I'm a son of the king of the universe. He's in charge. If he wants me to die, I'm ready. But I don't think he's going to do it. <laughs> so I got too much to do. <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm empowered by God. And so I can help the mothers with the crying babies. And ask my wife. I actually got a kind of a gift for that. Uh, children kind of automatically think I'm Santa Claus. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. I'm empowered. In every situation, we live empowered. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Surely, He can cause us to walk in resurrection power. We stand in the power of God's truth and grace. We're not threatened by the circumstances around us. Threatened people, powerless people, are the ones, there's, either, there's one of two responses. They, be, they, they resort to threats and accusations, like the disciples. Don't you care? Right? They felt powerless. 
And as a result, they began to accuse Jesus, who was perfect. And we hear so many accusations in our day. They resort to rebelliousness, riots, looting, intimidation, threatening people. Or the reverse, they shut down, they hide, they cocoon. They're so afraid, uh, whether it be emotionally or physically, uh, they they disconnect because they're powerless. Those are not healthy reactions. Powerful people are not swayed back and forth by the changes of our circumstances. And we realize we're riding through the storm and God's in control. And you get to the place where you enjoy the turbulence of life. Power, the, the word power there is a Greek word dunamis, actually can be translated uh, or defined as power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. So God's nature in us reproduces his character, enables us to manifest Christ. So because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we now become the ones that can stand up in the boat and say, peace, be still, for he is God. All right? That changes. That changes us, and it changes those around us. And we need to step into that place and take responsibility and not be part of the storm, but be part of the calm. Moral excellence, I'm sorry, moral power and excellence of soul. That can be translated, those two phrases. So the word dunamis can be translated power, or it can be translated moral power, or it can be translated excellence of soul. And I love this because this moral power, that's a little different. That's not the power to, you know, exert, uh, uh, you know, take over a nation or beat someone up. It's the power to live holy and not respond to temptation, whether it be temptation to become angry, temptation to become fearful, temptation to do something that you know is destructive or not do something that you know is helpful, that you can live morally. You have the power to live ethically and upright and a level of excellence. And I think and the, the Scripture and God calls us to a level of excellence that's not just a little bit above the world, but... Uh, exponentially. Boy, it took me a long time to find that word. (laughs) You know, not just one step above, but a whole other level above uh, excellence of soul so that we can respond. Power to perform miracles. Huh? Come on, church. Christ is in you. You have the power to calm the storm. And I've many times I've prayed against hurricanes and I've prayed against storms, but we can pray against the political storm and we can pray against the, uh, uh, the virus, the storm of, of, of fear. And we can pray against this virus that it end, that, that people be healed. Whatever the storm may be, we can, we can stand up with dunamis power and expect God to act because he's dwelling within us. The second characteristic of a spirit-led life is love, <clears throat> which means affection goodwill, and benevolence. Benevolence is doing good for others uh, for no benefit of yourself, that you're just really given to the good and, and, and betterment of others. Uh, Greek scholar commenting on this 
says, nothing will do more to inspire courage to make a man fear, man or woman, fearless of danger or ready to endure hardship and persecution than love. The love of country, wife, children, and home makes the most timid bold when they are assailed. And I like this part. The love of Christ and of a dying world nerves the soul to great enterprises. Enterprises mean we'll do whatever it takes. And sustains it, it sustains it in the deepest of sorrow. And so this powerful love, not only of country and of family, but of Christ and of the lost, is to empower us to love. All right, and love uh, it causes us to, to stand up and make a difference. Our words and actions, first and foremost, must display the love of Christ and the care for others above our own needs and desires. And if we're not displaying Christ's love, we are not operating in the Spirit of God. We are operating out of another spirit. Full stop. You can't get around that. In everything we do, we need to communicate love. All right? And the final one is of a sound mind. So the opposite of a spirit of fear is moving in a sound mind. And this means rational, thoughtful, not swayed by the opinions of posts on Facebook. (laughs) Oh, my word. But founded on the truths of Scripture. Not swayed by the video your friend sends you of some guy screaming about something or someone talking about this or that. But founded on the truth, the unchanging truths of Scripture. Disciplined in self-control can be translated that. Spirit of discipline. You're faithful. Your life's in order. And self-control, you're not out of control. Yourself is under God's control. But again, the same commentator writes this. The Greek word denotes one of a sober mind, a man of prudence. It means he's careful, well thought out, and discretion. The state referred to here is that in which the mind is well balanced and under right influences, in which it sees things in their just proportion and relationships. In other words, you don't take things out of proportion. And that's what's happening. So many people are getting things out of proportion. And they're not seeing that God reigns over all. And, and seeing things in their just proportion and how they relate properly to one another. In which it is not feverish or excited, but everything is in its proper place. So I love this, this man who actually wrote this a couple hundred years ago, speaking into it that, you know, in every age, there's issues that cause people to get feverish and excited. Oh, we got to respond to this or else. That's not the Spirit of God. I don't care if they're quoting Bible verses. That's not, be still and know that I'm God. That's, that's the guy in the airplane going, right? that's not the spirit we're called to live in. Uh, we're called to live in the spirit of love and power, and of sound mind. And I'm going to close up with this. Uh, the next verses that uh, Paul writes uh, in Timothy after saying that powerful statement that uh, we are to be uh, not of the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It says, so never be ashamed. So 
based on the fact that we have power, love, and a sound mind, never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord, to tell others who calmed your storm. Don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. Paul was writing this to the church while he was sitting in prison with a death sentence, simply for telling other people about Jesus. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Saints, if there's one thing I'm concerned about, I'm not concerned about the coronavirus. I'm not concerned about the election. God is supreme over all of that. My biggest concern is that the church, especially in the West, has lost its capacity to suffer. We think suffering is someone posting something on Facebook or requiring to wear a mask. That's not suffering. All right? Look at history. The church has endured suffering and persecution, and it actually thrives. When, in every country where the church is shut down, it, it multiplies. Because Christianity answers the cry of the heart in oppression. And Paul actually says, be ready to suffer with me. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Listen, this hasn't taken God by surprise. It was his plan all along. And the plan is that we'd find peace and calm and salvation and hope through the person of Jesus Christ who took our sins upon himself when he died on the cross. It says, he, Jesus, broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news, the gospel, that Jesus Christ, the only one who lived a sinless life, took the penalty and the power of sin upon him when he died on the cross. And if you confess faith in Christ, you can receive that power to be freed from the the guilt of sin, but also the power of sin to control you. You can walk in the holiness and freedom and have the hope of everlasting life simply by confessing faith in him. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that... uh, You have done all that you can to set us free. Father, we thank you that there's no storm in life. There's no condition on planet Earth that can take us away from you. No one can take us out of your hand, your word says. And Jesus, you've committed to be with us, to not leave us orphans, that you are with us even to the end of the age. And so we confess that you're in our boat. And we're, we're not afraid of anything in this world because we fear you. And we bow our knee and we bow our, our obedience to you as Lord in Christ. Father, I pray for each person in this room. I pray for each person on the live stream that they would experience the calming presence of Christ in every storm that they face. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen.